This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everybody, this is Richard Deitch and welcome to the Sports Media Podcast. My producer is Patrick Antonetti. Our guest this week, he's becoming a regular and that is intentionally so. It is Chad Finn, the sports media writer for the Boston Globe, as well as a general columnist. We're going to uh, you know, nerd out uh, however many minutes we end up doing on some of the sports media topics of the moment. By the way, I usually, uh, at the end of the podcast, because it seems like a better place for it, take the time to say, hey, if you like this kind of stuff, please head to iTunes, you know, Google Play, Stitcher, leave us a five-star review and a nice note. That really has meaning. That's how this podcast continues to come on, which is all true. But I'm going to totally just uh, sell out and shill out here and do it at the top to see if it has uh, more of an impact. I'm taking advantage, I guess, of uh, the big cachet of having Chad Finn on as a guest to try to... Uh, to try to land some more uh, better reviews. But that does, it really honestly, at least in my world, and again, I've said this many times, this podcast is independent. It's not owned by The Athletic. So, uh, you know, it has to do well download-wise in order for it to to stay. So I appreciate all the support and thank you. And after that uh, horrible, shameless plug, let me welcome Chad Finn back to the Sports Media Podcast. In <laughs> uh, a regular, regular. That's uh, that's uh, that's what you can. Yeah, you know, you're you're going to be on a lot, as I've said. Uh, maybe might even do this every week. We've been talking about this. I mean, I have to try to counter yeah. the uh, you know the the Jimmy Trainer machine, but with Sports Illustrated behind him, I need to count. Ca- I mean, the double machine with Marshan and Oran. They have not just the New York Post, but they have Sports Business uh, Journal, and then Brian Curtis, uh, you know, and David Shoemaker's podcast, The Ringer, like funded by uh, you know. Big oil as well as uh, Spotify. <laughs> I don't think big oil is funding him, but uh, I'm just you know amusing myself here. But anyway, let us uh, let's stop with the inside baseball. By the way, Chad, last week talk about inside baseball. My God, all the Mike Mulvihill, Flora Kelly drops. But let's um, let's get into the schedule release. That's what I want to start with. Um, you know, I hate to sort of take this is going to annoy me. I hate to sort of like follow the NFL here and all the network executives who every single year say we're pleased with our schedule, we think we got a great schedule, we think everybody um, was equal. Because in years past, that was all bullshit. Like ESPN used to get totally fucked on their schedule. But I have to admit, I looked at the schedule, I have to say, I thought the NFL did a really good job. Those, I have great respect for those schedule makers. Those, they're really interesting people, and they have a fascinating job. But on this one, I looked at Amazon, I thought they got a great first-year schedule. I think CBS and Fox did really, really well. I think ESPN's schedule is fantastic, uh, potentially. NBC's always going to have a good schedule because of that spot. So we'll get into some of the specific schedules. But overall, Chad, my take, I think the NFL's got a pretty, at least on paper, they got a pretty good national schedule this year. How did you see it? Yeah, I agree uh, completely. Uh, the one I was most interested, well, the two I was most interested, number one was Monday Night Football, just because you're absolutely right, they They've gotten screwed through the years. It feels like it feels like there's like three Jaguars games a year that they've always gotten. Or you know, so exactly. Uh, right. A uh, the if Sunday Night Football got the A list uh, games, then Monday Night Football got the C minus list games. That's maybe just maybe a C. But uh, uh, you look now, you know, like week one, it's what Broncos Seahawks. You got Russell Wilson. Yeah. Um, they don't really drop down week two. Titans Bills is really interesting. Um, 
you know, get they they've got plenty of fill of like the uh, Bengals. You know, middle of the season they have the Bengals, who you, you have to kind of remind yourself that they're the AFC champion. But uh, uh, I I look at it and think, all right, that's a good game. Probably two out of every three weeks. And you know, Amazon's the other one. I wasn't that as thrilled with it as you were. I know they were really pushing like having Lamar Jackson and. The Ravens and they have good court. I the Amazon schedule. They have good quarterback. Yeah, they got Raven. Schedule. Maybe they Ravens win. box week eight was the one they were really pushing. But uh, you know, they've got like uh, they've got the Commanders and Texans on there a few times and things. Like I know, that. but the way the way the way Thursday works, right? You're gonna have to have the you know having sat on that. Uh, I should say this is my column actually uh, as we're taping this uh, this week. For Are the you athletic. writing it right now? Yeah, I wrote it already. It's uh, it's up on Monday morning. The schedule makers sort of let you know that because of the way the Thursday night schedule works and all the rules when it comes to short weeks, TNF is going to get most of the teams in the league, right? So it's not like Sunday night football, which is not going to get the Jaguars. You know what I mean? You can you can hide some of Jaguars, uh, Jets, the bad 16, teams. That one. <laughs> yeah, like so 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 like Thursday night football is getting it's going to get like you know your occasional. Um, you know, sort of Jags uh like team, but again, I th- I just I thought they um I thought they did pretty good. I got there's nothing honest. ugly. I just, I'll maybe, say that. Just yeah, maybe I maybe I'm uh maybe I'm overplaying um you know my my thought on having star quarterbacks and sort of star quarterbacks will give you at least in some ways like um you know an interesting game, but uh you know I've seen some of these other Thursday night um schedules and a lot of times because of they were the, bad you know the the divisional like necessities you get some bad late season games but they um they start off with chargers chiefs right that's yeah. a great you'd agree that's oh, a great start yeah couldn't get any better okay, really. steelers browns i would rather have the steelers early because if they're not very good you know they you know they've always been historically a team of great interest they have a lot of fans obviously around the country so i'd rather get them early than late the browns Knows. I don't know how the Browns are going to be. Uh, but then Bengals are the following week against the Dolphins. So that's Burrow. You have Colts, Broncos. Uh, that's Russell Wilson, Matt Do Ryan. Do next week. Yeah, I'm great. It, <laughs> com- I agree. Commanders. I, I, don't, I wouldn't want to well, see any Commanders Justin games. Fields, who knows? But then yeah, but then you mentioned that week eight. I mean, Lamar Jackson versus Tom Brady. I mean, that's that's a Sunday Night Football. Brady will be in the uh, Fox Would you agree? Yeah, and then again, blah, 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 blah. And then so here are the two. I think the reason why I really like their schedule is for these two games. Titans at Packers, November 17th. That feels like a mega game to me, if you think the Titans are going to be good, and I do. That's interesting. Yeah, I didn't um, look at that Maybe not as good as last way, year, but, but I still think, could be a huge I still think they're a playoff team. always a draw. And then the next week, you got Bill's pass. Right, and which, again, uh, well, that's what I was going to say. Me and you, we're going to show East Coast bias here, me and you. But I think that's – don't you think that's a – yeah, but don't you think I still think that's a great matchup, Bills Patriots? It's it's historic rivals. They really dislike each other. Josh Allen, like I think that's a great oh, yeah, game to have thirteen. Absolutely, yeah. And uh yeah, people are down on the Patriots, at least around here, um probably nationally to to, to a similar degree, but uh uh they they may surprise if Mac Jones takes a step forward this year. Yeah. Don't, don't I'm not crying for any Patriot fan. No, no offense. <laughs> Half my family lives in Massachusetts, as I said many times, and like the 15 year olds in that family have never experienced loss. So I, my heart does not. Hell, the 25 year olds haven't if they jumped in, in at age five. Right. <laughs> yeah. Try living in Buffalo as a football fan for heartache, or you know, living in Toronto if you're of hockey. But something happened there. Heartache. You know, if you're, I was on basketball yesterday. Yeah, if you're a New England fan. Yeah, if you're a New England fan, you've, you, your whole life has been success. Uh, and then the ESPN schedule, I'm with you. Uh, to me, Broncos Seahawks to start the year. Uh, I mean, if there's one Russell Wilson game you want to see, what is it? It's against the Seahawks, right? If you're a national fan to me. So that week one um, on ESPN ABC is awesome. And then the following week, Titans Bills. And then obviously, they were, you know, I feel like you mentioned this before. I think they got a really good. I think they got a really good schedule. The schedule maker said like the Joe Buck, Troy Aikman sort of move had no impact on the schedule. I tend to believe them. At the same time, I do think the NFL wants to take care of ESPN, especially now that ABC's in the Super Bowl. And, you know, you want to take care of your partners. They just spent 
whatever, 33 million bucks on a broadcast team, you want to give them a good schedule. Yeah, you know what? Just looking around at all the schedules in general too, Richard, it, it feels like the, the quarterback depth in the league has made uh, more games appealing than they usually would be. I mean, you look at Seattle, that's not a, a very good team this year, but that's a really compelling matchup in week one because you've got Russell Wilson changing teams uh, and then going to the other side of this rivalry. But um, we think of Russell Wilson as a superstar, but he may not be a top 10 quarterback in the league at this point. We'll see. Uh, with the emergence of guys like Herbert, you want to see Herbert in that week one matchup uh, Thursday with the Chiefs. That's incredibly appealing. You get Joe Burrow who's just in a Super Bowl and nearly won it in the last couple of seconds if he had one more second to throw. Um, just uh, uh, Brady's still around. Josh Allen's emerged as this just incredible all around quarterback. Uh, so I, I think the level of quarterback play has kind of raised the level of. Um, at least the early appeal of games before things shake out and we really find out who's good and who isn't. 100%. I mean, let's face it, the league markets the league markets the sport around quarterbacks. Like, that is how it is today. That's how it was yesteryear. That's how it will be in the future. And NBC's press release on their Sunday Night Football schedule, Chad, just to echo your point, they literally started the press release with all the quarterback matchups they have. Josh Allen versus Matthew Stafford, Tom Brady versus Dak Prescott, Brady versus Mahomes, I think the sixth time they played against each other. Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, Aaron Rodgers, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, Kyler Murray. Those are all great matchups. Those are all Sunday Night Football matchups. And the reality is, like, the return of Brady and Aaron Rodgers staying in Green Bay and Russell Wilson moving teams, that that makes this year's national schedule that much better. Those singular three moves, to me, are... I think probably the reason why I think the schedule is so good. Had you had one of those things not happen, whether Brady retires, let's say Aaron Aaron Rodgers is with you know the Niners instead of the Packers, something like that, um, it's just not as good a schedule. Like the reality is, Brady's return makes the Bucks every Bucks game interesting to me, and and makes it potentially a national game, and so it just gives it gave the league that much more to play with, and you know whether you're a Packers fan or a Packers hater. Like, the reality is they're probably the most watched or viewed team behind the Cowboys. And Aaron Rodgers being there makes them that much more interesting, that much more Maybe he's pissed off at his more. team the whole season. You know? <laughs> well, the other thing, too, is, you know, like, I, it also, you know, this is where I used to get into, like, the people who just, like, would, like, write, write chapter and verse about how, you know, the NBA's social justice uh, messaging. No one's ever going to watch the league again. You know, I mean, again, I keep forgetting, chat. It's not a culture war podcast. I apologize. But, um, but like, the reality is, like, trust me, there's a lot of people who, like, dislike Aaron Rodgers and his stand on COVID. Yeah. You're still watching the Packers. You're still watching those games. It's all BS. And so, you, if you're in the NFL, you want him in that market. Like, that is a great football market. It's got history. It's got interest. Yeah. And it's so better I when think, Green Bay matters. Yeah. If I had to guess, it does. If I had to guess, and it's a pure guess, I believe the NFL viewership will be up this year. Now, obviously, it's so much of that will is factors at this point that I couldn't even guess. Weather is always a factor. Obviously, competitive matchups a factor. What team's good? What team's not? But based on my initial read on the schedule, especially how they front-loaded games, I think the NFL is going to be up this year. Uh, some of that also, too, you know, like we continue to hopefully knock on wood, push past COVID. I think uh, viewership also gets a little bit of a jump because people are uh, comfortable maybe with more communal viewing and stuff like that. So um, I thought the schedule was great. I mean, I, I, I really did. You know, it, it, no one wants to praise the NFL. Trust me. Like in our line of profession, on uh, you know, unless we have to, but uh, just wait in this case, I thought they 13 really- uh, Monday night game on, e- on uh, ESPN when Drew Brees is back to play against Tom Brady, the Saints. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I'm glad you said that. Andrew Marshand uh, reported that um, the relationship between Drew Brees and NBC is over. Drew Brees then countered by saying, I haven't made a Decision yet? Maybe I'll keep Notre saying, Dame games. Maybe I'll keep broadcasting. Maybe I'll broadcast no- Notre Dame games for NBC. Maybe I'll play pickleball. Maybe I'll return to the NFL. Uh, I mean, never say never. I'd be surprised if Breeze returns to the NFL just because I think it's very hard in that position to return after um, 
you know, after missing a year or two. I mean, Troy Aikman used to talk about, you know, potentially returning way back when. He used to actually get um, offers as well. I remember talking to Romo. Romo told me that I want to say even two years after Chad, he was in the CBS booth. He was still hearing from teams who like inquired, like, would you be interested in coming back? So I have no doubt that people call Drew Brees or his agent and say, hey, would Drew think about coming back? That I'm sure is true. He's 43 now. I'd be surprised. I mean, I I know we've got Tom Brady. Yeah, he's the outlier of of all time, right? I mean, uh, who's uh, there's been one or two quarterbacks that had good seasons at age 41. I think Warren Moon and Favre, and that was it. Brady's way past anybody else in history. Brees is nuts if he thinks he can come back and do that. Yeah. But here's the thing I just want to just get into with Breeze real quick, and I'm curious about your take. You know, I wrote about this. I'm sure you wrote about this. Like, obviously, the NFL playoff game he did with Tarico, um, that Raiders game, was terrible. Like, it was was a guy who who showed what he was, like an inexperienced NFL broadcaster. And he didn't have a good game, and we all know that. Now, to me, like, I, I don't write him off. Like, based on that one game, I think that's very silly. Like, he's still Drew Brees in terms of um, a historic figure in the league. He's still relatively young in terms of he's played against a lot of players in the league, which means he can identify schemes and and player tendencies and stuff like that. I do think if you work in the business, you get better. And so, like, if he really wants to do this, I think whether it's a Fox or – you know, Amazon's a little tricky now because obviously they don't have a ton of inventory for him to do one or two games. But like, I still think he could be in a high level of broadcast. And the question is, could it? E- could his ego take? <laughs> you know, not being a number one NFL analyst when he's been, you know, one of the great players in that league. But to write him off, I think, would be incorrect. And I think even if NBC writes him off. I don't think other networks would if he showed an interest and the dollar figure was right. Yeah, Mike, do does he want to be good at reason? it to the point where um, he would be willing to be critical and candid, which were the two things that were really lacking in his very limited experience in the booth. But it was jarring because yep. um, he was touted heavily by NBC, uh, still an extremely high profile guy just having retired. And you figured with the money that they threw at him and the uh, the role that they were pushing him into that you were going to get some something close to Romo. That's not fair, but that was the uh, the expectation just because of the prominence of, of him and the prominence of the gig that he was getting right away. And he was nothing close to that. He just didn't want to say anything that uh, could be perceived as uh, critical or in really insightful, uh, you know, we all got into it when Romo first started back in 2017 about uh, breaking down plays and recognize the Nostra Romo stuff and recognizing things before. If you've talked to guys like Phil Sims or Boomer, any ex quarterback, they all said they could do that, but didn't. They kind of had to learn what they could say and what they couldn't say. Uh, but Brees just doesn't really seemed to ha- didn't seem to have any interest in doing any of that and the other really appealing thing about Romo was he he was somebody you felt like you wanted to be there with like you'd sit next to the bar sit next to that guy on the couch watching the game it was a good time you never get that from Breeze you didn't get that from Breeze you don't get that from a lot of other people and watching that game and seeing what we're seeing now with the the, the broadcaster uh you know uh, roster changes this season he was the worst case scenario for what Tom Brady could be. If if you are um, if you're Tom Brady and you yes. want to know what not to do, have him watch what Breeze has done so far. So a couple things here, like that, sort of I've always uh, thought about. If you're in, in, I remember I always remember this that Chris Collinsworth said he be, he in his opinion became a good broadcaster when he stopped Perfect. thinking himself. Yep. Yeah. as an ex-player, and started thinking of himself as a broadcaster who formerly played. And I think a lot of people, a lot of a lot of guys never, never, um, never get past that. They never, they're always sort of still an ex-player. I actually find a lot of uh, women That's analysts in sports get past that far quicker than the men. That's just a sort of a judgment to me. Like, you know, I, I Rebecca Lobo doesn't think of herself like as a former Liberty or Connecticut player. She, she thinks of herself as a 
broadcast. And I've always felt that in women's sports, they make that transition quicker. Candace Parker would be a perfect example of that too. But again, you can debate that or not. So Chad, to me, like you, you have two ways to do this. You either become someone who's sort of critical when criticism is called for, like Collinsworth was, like Phil Simms was, and some others, or you then have to go the Romo route, where you are just so great at X's and O's and diagramming what's about to happen, and your personality is so infectious that people are okay if you're not like sort of over the top. Well, not over the top is the wrong word. Well, people are okay if you're not critical, let's say, of the people you played against. To be in the middle is 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 death, right? If you're not, if you're not like uh, great at diagnosing stuff or can explain it to the audience, if you're not so infectious personality-wise like Madden, where you just want to hang out with you, um, you know, if you're not that, and then also at the same time, you're not being sort of honest with the audience when it comes to criticism of coach or player, then you're in no person's land and you're done to me. And that's where Breeze, I think, was or has been this year. And so he'll have to make a decision as to what he wants to be. The thing with Brady, you're totally right. Brady can get away with being Brady probably for a year. But eventually, if he doesn't really sort of work to become a broadcaster, or if he doesn't think of himself as a broadcaster, it's not going to work long term. By the way, Fox might not even care. They may be like, all right, we'll take three years of Tom Brady just being Tom Brady, and then he'll go. Yeah, right. Honestly, Fox might not even care about this, but that would be my take is, and we've just seen this many times, like... We have seen many, many ex-athletes or ex-coaches who come in, and I always feel like they're still one foot in the league. They still wanna, they still want a job. Like perfect example is Urban Meyer. You know when he was at ESPN, which turned out to be correct. He got the Ohio State job, and I always felt even at Fox on like big noon, big noon kickoff. Like the, I always felt the guy was always had his eye on another coaching job. And if you have an eye on another coaching or, or job or playing yeah, job, then you're not agree. working. You, for me you always know the guys were there as a, uh, you know, a pause, a layover before the next gig. Um, you know, I think Troy, something that might be interesting to do is go back and watch an early Troy Aikman game from when he first started out when he was with Dick Stockton. And then, uh, you know, he's been with what they were, he's with Collinsworth and Buck. And I think since 2002 with Buck, 2002, 2003, uh, he's really straightforward now, Candid. There's no yep. hesitation from him in sharing an opinion. And it doesn't matter if it's the Cowboys, if he's got a Patriots, Packers game, whatever it was. Um, he just tells you what he thinks. It's almost casual. And I don't recall if he was like that at the beginning. I imagine there was probably a transition with him, too, where he was a little bit hesitant to say things about players that he had just played with or against. But um, the the broadcaster at Troy Eggman is now that's making, you know, $18 million a year from ESPN. He's worth it. He's really good at it. And he grew into it. Uh, I, I wonder if that's possible for somebody like Breeze or possible for Brady if he struggles uh, early here and in, in trying to figure out who he wants to be. I think, you know, people are going to look at Brady and say, ah, he's supposed to be Romo or ah, another quarterback like Breeze that couldn't make the transition. But maybe Aikman ought to be the model there. I can never not have good thoughts about Troy Aikman and his can- his candidness. Let me sort of tell you why. I don't even remember like when uh, he said this to me or I wrote this, uh, which again seems to indicate another reason why I-, I-, I should maybe think about doing something else here. It's been a long time. So Troy, uh, so Troy Aikman. I have the. I just pulled up the quote here. Uh, I asked him about. You know, he had a history with Skip Bayless and going back to Dallas, etc. And he said uh, to. Yeah, to say I'm disappointed in the hiring of Skip Bayless would be an enormous understatement. Clearly, uh, and this at the time was Fox Sports president of National Networks, Jamie Horowitz and I have a difference of opinion when it comes to building a successful organization. I believe success is achieved by acquiring and developing talented, respected, incredible individuals, none of which applies to Skip Bayless. That was about as good and honest take on a colleague of yours uh, as maybe anybody's ever given me. I know, and I've said this before, obviously, um, back in my sports, the Sports Illustrated days when I had that podcast, um, there were FS1 people who were so pissed off at Troy. Um, I don't know if they were pushing like Eric Shanks to fire him, but they definitely wanted to discipline him. Um, but that just sort of told you there. And again, I realize Bayless could be low-hanging fruit. He's absolutely horrible uh, sports television figure. Um, I think Chad and I both agree with that. 
and it's not been good for the business. But that that that's but that the the larger point there is Aikman is candid, and at a certain point, I think in order to get credibility, you have to show that kind of candidness as a broadcaster, as an on-air person, and so that's really going to be, I think, to me, the biggest question with Brady. And I don't even think Brady has to sort of necessarily do it year one because I think he could ride on being Tom Brady. But if he does want long-term success, it's going to have to happen. And that, you know, well, if and when Brady finally gets on air, that's going to be one of the many things, um, one of the many things we write about. I, I again, it's uh, I've never dealt with Tom Brady. Uh, you probably have in New England. I've never interviewed him, Chad. Uh, um, I interviewed his dad actually once, one on one. Very nice man. Uh, but uh, but I'm gonna be. It's gonna be really interesting to me if and when that happens, just to see uh, how Brady will do because I really think it could go. It could totally go both ways. I think he could be awesome, off the charts, great. I also think he could be as big a flop as like Emmett Smith and the, Joe Montana. The, the joke in New England is always that uh, a source close to Tom Brady was actually Tom Brady Senior. I don't know if it was always a joke, but uh, he was. Uh, yeah, he was uh, always a great guy to talk to. That might have that might have been a joke with yeah, a lot of a, truth, a but... whole lot of truth and a lot of times on the record too, which is good. But no, yeah, I like that's why I like Brady Senior because like a lot of times like he would say like, hey. Here's my thought about this stuff. If I had to bet, I would think Tom's going to be good at it. It might take a little bit of time. Uh, he, his sense of humor can be corny. The Jim Gray stuff is inexplicable. Uh, but you, you saw a little bit of his off-the-record personality with the uh, you know, the Gotham Chopra projects that he's done, especially the 10th episode when he talked about uh, you know, that he's kind of a the the anguish, I guess, that he deals with uh in in thinking about walking away from football and how he recognizes that he's kind of a lunatic about it. If he opens up about that stuff, and again, that's the kind of things Aikman talks about, um, I think he'll be really good. And the one thing that I know he will be good at, if he can just be concise about it, is telling you what he sees. Because he told us probably three years ago uh, when he was talking about what defenses throw at him, he said, I have all the answers to the test now. And he meant it. Nothing phases him. And when he's sitting in that broadcast booth, he's going to be able to identify everything defenses are doing. Uh, it's a matter of whether he communicates it in the amount of time that he has to, to, to make it really clear, which, of course, is, is uh, one of Romo's greatest strengths. We'll see if Brady can do that. But I think he'll be good at that. I just, I'm curious about whether there's a sense of humor there that comes out or uh, whether... Uh, you know, the personality is a little dry at the beginning. <laughs> so I would say this. Um, if I had to bet, I would bet that. Um, Me too. I would bet mm -hmm. I, if I would go to Vegas and bet he'd be good. If you were, if like it was a, you know, if I had to bet on either good or, or bust, I'd bet good. But, and I think we talked about this last week. If you ask me, like, will he be in the booth beyond like four years? Oh, over five under years, is I, five. I absolutely. As far as I'm concerned. Just, I just, I yeah, don't see I him doing too. it long term. Yeah, and I would take the under on that if if you were asking me to bet. All right, let's move on to um, let's move on to the NBA uh, conference finals round. Celtics Heat, Mavs, Warriors. Warriors are far and away the sport's best television team, so that is a huge thing for the NBA to get them in this round. People are interested in that team. Steph Curry uh, is the biggest draw in the league, even a bigger draw than LeBron, and I say that in terms of national eyeballs. Boston is a great television market. They do well. The Heat, good team. But honestly, Miami's never been the greatest TV market. So I think if you're the NBA, Chad, um, you obviously, I think, want Celtics Warriors in the final. That's your best, uh, that's your sort of best viewership prospect. Uh, but how do you see viewership here in terms of national interest? What's your, what's your read? on how this might play out for both these series? Uh, West is definitely more appealing. I mean, uh, Dallas is, Dallas is basketball wise has kind of been the, uh, you know, the Western conference version of the Celtics this year where the season started off rough. Uh, they flipped a switch around January and just became this machine. They're, they're not to be underestimated as the Suns found out. Uh, but they have one of the, uh, premier stars in basketball who's already a hugely popular player Luka Doncic fun to watch uh, and is at the point where I think he's going to be a draw himself especially if they make a series out of this so that's a really appealing matchup even though people might be underestimating Dallas right now uh, in the east 
Celtics are are uh, obviously a really good TV draw, really uh, enjoyable team to watch right now. But I don't know if the league is thrilled that Miami's there. They play kind of a uh, you know kind of a rough style, um, very disciplined, well rounded team, but uh, don't have a great home home court advantage by any stretch. Uh, not you know Jimmy Butler's a, a star, but he's not a, a, a top of the marquee star. Uh, and I, I, I imagine they would have preferred, uh, you know, had the seating shaken out a little bit, a, a Boston-Milwaukee final or, uh, you know, of course, everybody in, in the executive offices wanted the Nets to get out of the first round and that didn't happen. But uh, uh, I'd say West is probably the more appealing matchup TV was. It's interesting. Going back right now to uh, the 2019 finals ratings, which, uh, friends, uh, thanks to the courtesy of our friend uh, John Lewis at Sports Media Watch. Because to me, that's kind of the thing we should be looking at. Uh, you know, 2020, 2021, there's no apples to apples with the COVID-related stuff. So Toronto, Milwaukee, uh, you know, which really should be beatable it, because you have the Toronto market right. where you're getting nobody from that market in terms of viewership. It doesn't count because... You know, it counts for the Canadian uh, viewership when it comes to Nielsen. And Milwaukee, as great as Giannis is, still a small market, relatively speaking. So the numbers on this series, Chad, uh, I'll just I'll ballpark. Yeah, 5.5 million game one, 4.3 million game two, 6.1 game three, 5.3 game four, 6.2 game five, 6.4 game six. So that, that series around 6 million viewers. So the question is, can the Heat yeah. Celtics beat that? They should, in my opinion. And then this is the interesting one: Portland Golden State. Um, that was a four-game sweep, and that averaged around seven and a half million. So that's the number to be for the Mavs Warriors. Number. So I'm with you. I think to me, to to get yeah to get a sense of where the NBA Conference Finals is in 2022, and you know relative against sort of its strength in years past, what is the Mavs Warriors? number going to be they're going to get the benefit of out of home so you know it's you're going to get a 10 percent lift from that so i think if you're the league uh, to me you got to be in the seven eight million range to have a good story to tell you you don't want that golden state Mavs series to be um you know in, in the sixes i don't have the schedule in front of me maybe you know this do you know if if any of the western conference uh uh, who? Well, wait a minute. Who has the Eastern Conference? Is that ESPN or is that? Uh, I believe uh, ESPN. Do we know this? I should know this. Okay, so let me see if I can do the ESPN. I'm gonna try to find this scheduling here. The reason I'm asking you this uh, of you, Chad, is because like if you can get this on ABC, then you have a real chance for a lift. Okay, Boston Miami is on ESPN. Which probably the league, yeah. I would think if they had their druthers wishes, it was the other way around. Um, so game three and game four will be on ABC for yeah, ESPN ABC. So that those games, those are the games. If you're the league, you really want. They're all eight thirty. Yeah, um, that's a Saturday night game and a Monday. Yeah, Monday night game. That's you're not unless I'm missing something here. You're not going against anybody. You know, no competition generally speaking, with other sports stuff. So if you're interested in this stuff, watch the viewership for those two because that'll really be a, give you a good indicator of uh, of how the viewership's going to play out. And again, I think if you're the NBA, Chad, uh, you do want the Warriors in the final, but this feels like a test yeah. of Luka Doncic's uh, national star and how, you know, and, and if, and how people are interested in him or, uh, or who's interested Dallas in him? I guess a, I would say beyond uh, early uh, in the beyond series Dallas. would probably elevate that a little bit. I think he's right on the fringe of becoming somebody you tune in to watch. I mean, for yeah. basketball fans, he already is. But uh, yeah, I agree. Right? Yeah, he's yeah. already there. Yeah, but, uh, we're talking the casual sports fan. I agree. All right, a, co- a couple more things here. Are you? Uh, I'm not a big golf person, so this. Yeah, it just like do you like? Are you interested in tuning into Joe Buck's alternative alternate broadcast for? PGA Championship. I'll I'll check it out. I mean, we're in peach we're in US Open mode here because that's coming up here uh the beginning of next middle of next month. So we're uh, we're all looking past <laughs> looking past this one to the open already. But it's you know, if nothing else it's like it's being produced by the Manning uh Omaha Productions. He's going to have some pretty famous people on it. So uh, it's, it's like his talk show. 
Yeah, I'll check. I mean, I'll check it out. I can't say I'm that interested in it, to be blunt. But uh, it is a big thing for Buck in that this is his first ESPN um, assignment. You know, obviously, he wants uh, to do well. You know, we'd like to see viewership be good. So it'll be interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see just the interest in that and um, and how ESPN uses him. Because this will be the first time in, you know, what, 20-plus years that he's doing uh, – you know, he's going to have non-Fox people working with him. Well, actually, that's not true. I guess the HBO stuff. But it'll be it, – it's interesting. It'll be it'll be interesting to see how that plays. And I probably will check out a little bit of it where, honestly, I'm not sure how much other than maybe the Sunday final round of the PGA Championship I'd watch. Yeah. I mean, he, he's got pretty good guest lists there. He's got Michael Collins with him, but Barkley will be on. And, uh, oh, for uh, for Joe Buck? Yeah, yeah. yeah for Joe and uh, uh, with John Hamm with all the hype about uh, – uh, the new Top Gun movie. Maybe they'll talk about that. Eggman will be on with him too. But uh, um, yeah, it's uh, it 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 seems like it, we're gonna get we're gonna find out more uh, as we go on here about what oper- other opportunities ESPN has given him that got him to leave Fox. I, I'm my big curiosity is whether he ever does baseball again because I really liked him at that, and uh, uh, you know they the the booth that they have right now Ravage Cone Eduardo Perez has gotten really good reviews and they deserve them but uh uh you know Buck called what almost every world series since 96 so this is uh this is a guy whose profile is at uh, a level baseball really needs right now so I'm 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 curious if he ends up doing that down the road again or if he doesn't want to All right Chad as we finish up on a couple things what's your uh what's your thought on Kevin Harlan getting the promotion to call the Western Conference uh finals for Turner, he gets the uh, he gets the more Albert spot. Basically, he gets the justice. Call. He deserves it, right? I I am a one hundred percent pro Kevin Harlan guy. I love the Westwood One Monday Night broadcast. I love the enthusiasm he brings to the NBA, and uh, um, I I enjoy him on the NBA and the NFL. And uh, glad to see this happen for him. You? Yeah. Well, I to me, uh, uh, as I wrote, like either Harlan or Ian Eagle would have been awesome. I think both. Uh, I, I, you know, to me, call, to, like toss a coin in the air and whatever it lands on, you're going to get a great broadcast. Uh, I think both are exceptional NBA play-by-play callers. I think Brian Anderson's a good caller too. So I think Turner is in a great position. They have they have three announcers who um, who all are to me conference final NBA finals worthy people. You know, I I wrote, you know, we talked about this a little bit. I, I wrote this piece. Um, prior to Mark Jackson being eliminated from the Kings job, that something really interesting to watch would be if Jackson gets an NBA job, what ES, what will ESPN do? And to me, it's the biggest no-brainer in sports programming. You'd promote Doris Burke uh, on the seat next to Van Gundy and, and Breen. Basketball is in a great position, Chad, where they have so many play-by-play callers who I think are NBA Finals-like level. Eagle, Harlan, Breen. I mean, that's... Uh, you know, I may, I'm still trying to off the top of my head. Am I like, I think Ryan Rico is an excellent broadcaster. If you want to tell me he's not ready for the NBA, Super finals, whatever, I'm sure he could do it. But like, it's just, yeah, it's just like they're in a, there's just, there are so many really good, na- you know, Gus Johnson, there are just so many good national play by play broadcasters right now doing NBA games. Yeah. Anderson's the highest profile guy that people still don't know that well yet. You know, he gets really good baseball assignments for Turner. Um, he had this, uh, a lot of this series for um, Box Celtics up here. And I, I thought uh, he and Stan Van Gundy are really good together. Van Gundy just, we're, you know, we're talking about Aikman and the NFL broadcasters that, that, that yeah, he, is he just says what he thinks. And it includes ripping the refs, um, you know, bad decisions, things like that. And uh, it was kind of refreshing. Plus he's got a good sense of humor, but uh, yeah, Anderson, Anderson's very, uh, very steady across the board. Yeah, I, the only, I never really understood this. If you have fuck you money, why wouldn't you be candid? Like, what's the... All right, so, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, if a broadcast outlet's like, okay, you're being too candid, we're going to let you go. You're like, all right, like, I, I'm going to miss the <laughs> spotlight, but I have $70 million in the bank. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, there's, like... I get it. I, I get it. I mean, I guess it would be the same question. Like, wouldn't it be tough for you to be critical like your colleagues at The Athletic and Sports Illustrated? I'm like, yeah, it would be. So, I... I sort of understand it at the same oh, time. Oh, I've been waiting to rip um, these Globe people for now. <laughs> yeah. Well, is there anybody at the Globe that doesn't ripping? I'm looking at, uh, yeah, I'm looking again, I'm looking at, like, uh, I'm looking at the NBA 
it, it, at the moment, like in terms of game, game on air people, we're in a very good moment for the NBA, I think. Uh, Where are you on Reggie Miller? Uh, I, I, I don't mind. I like. I don't mind him in stretches. I think it could be too much maybe, you know, if I got to hear him only him for seven games. But I don't mind Reggie. I like Chris Webber. Apparently I was in the minority on that. But, um, but uh, yeah, I, 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 I generally speaking, like, I look around at the people who are doing games, you know, from Pash to Rucco, um, analysts such as, uh, uh, like you mentioned, uh, Stan Van Gundy, Doris Burke. Jeff Van Gundy, I think, is excellent. Um, you know, even like the reporters who do stuff, you know, whether it's Cassidy Hubbard or Monica McNutt, um, you know, at least Salters, I'm sure I'm missing people. Uh, it's just a good, like, it's the quality of game production right now in terms of the on air people in the NBA is excellent. Um, obviously, Turner's studio show is incredible. It will always be incredible. It's the best in history. Uh, uh, you know, I, I don't really watch ESPNs that much. I'm like, I'm, you know, this is just my preference. Like Mike Greenberg, Stephen A. It's all about making Will their Mons. prediction. Like, the, the, yeah, it's yeah, it's like I, I I don't find I don't find them nearly as interesting as I do the Turner people. Um, you know, I'm sure Ben Cafardo and someone else from ESPN PR will tell me that it's up five thousand percent, and and sure it is. Uh, you know, I like what Malika Andrews has done in the. Uh, NBA Today Show and you know post Rachel Nichols era. I think that's smart, good TV. But um, but I think overall, like it's a really good time for NBA broadcasting. Like even if I don't particularly love ESPN's Countdown Show, I think it's a better version of Countdown now. So they're in. A, I think tough to navigate that show. I think place, for Greenberg, in my opinion, you got to give Stephen A his space and uh, it it ha- Yeah. Well, isn't the show really? Isn't I mean, the network at the really? End of the day, it's. It's about <laughs> it's Stephen A. Smith's show, right? I mean, that's yeah. And Greenberg, um, Jalen gets fifteen seconds at halftime. I want to get into a mic. Yeah, I agree with Jalen though. Like, you know what, Jalen? Jalen's been pretty candid about like why aren't uh, why aren't players of uh, I think you said this right? Players of color in the NBA getting the same kind of money as like uh, the Aikmans and Brady's of the world? It's totally right. Yeah, like I no, agree. Geez. Like he, you know. Pay, pay up, Pataro and Norby and who was it that said last? Let's, let's give Jalen Rose. Uh, I don't know if it was million with a you year. or with uh, another meteorite. I can't remember, but uh, uh, might have been Malva Hill said uh, that the Barkley's the only one worth this kind of money because he's the only person. Oh, so Dan John Patrick? Skipper, that's think, right. Right? Yeah, that's what it was. That. Yeah, yeah. Did he say that to Dan yeah, Patrick? Was on or Dan, or Patrick Dan Patrick show. Say that? Yeah, that's right. He's right. Uh, no wait, did no wait? Dan Lebatard, maybe right? Did uh, isn't did, did, did Skipper does no, it down the Dan Lebatard spot? Week. Did he say that yeah. on that? Yeah. Oh, he did. Okay, did not hear that. And was his point was that the only person who um who could truly sort of game change viewership is Barkley, and that's why you might want to pay yeah. Barkley tune in to see Brady yeah, money. Which, was that his thesis? Uh, it's I think that's true. I mean, I you know Celtics game was during the day yesterday. I had to write a column off it. Didn't catch much of the Suns game, but uh, as a fan, I tuned in to watch what those guys on TNT had to say about the Celtics game after they talked about the um, talked about the Suns the game they just had for fifteen minutes first. And I, not a lot of uh, you know not really not anybody else has that effect where you wait to see what they have to say about something. Yeah, I um, I'm trying to sort of think like there probably there probably is not anyone else who you can sort of make the argument be, is must watch television and sports television in terms of like I want to see what this person says before or after a game, and then the question would be of course like well what then what is that worth because as great as inside the NBA is it's not getting 25 million viewers like you know some some mega NFL football game. It's still at the end of the day getting like a million, two million, you know, let's say really, really three million, something crazy like three million after a game. So that would just be the question of like, um, um, you know, that would sort of be the question for, you know, when you're thinking about, um, when you're thinking about uh, viewership, the, just to mention that, uh, yeah, check out Jalen Rose's GQ interview where he talks about while I think, uh, if I'm right about this, that that former basketball players like himself have not um, 
sort of cracked the salary ceiling the way um the way let's say like Romo and Aikman had and here's what Jalen said this is kind of interesting I'd make more money if I wasn't a former player. Look at my resume. This is what I studied in college. I graduated from Michigan. I've been on TV for 20 years. I'm a best-selling author. I write a column every week in the New York Post and do a podcast. I do a show on Amazon every Saturday. I'm featured on ESPN, and I have my own show there. That's ultimate unique value. So what do you think I say when I sit back and look at the reality of the game? When Tony Romo's been doing this for two or three years, and he gets $20 million a year. And when people write about it, they'll say the NFL is paying so much money to the network, so of course they'll give him that. Okay, who's the basketball equivalent of that? It's interesting. Well, it's an interesting discussion that sort of Jalen throws out there. Again, no one's crying for Jalen Rose. He's certainly making a couple million at ESPN, but he's not wrong. The discrepancy between like the top analysts for football and the top analysts for he's a pretty NBA spike, is huge. Though. I mean, that Romo That's contract cool. escalated everything. And, you know, it wasn't that Correct. long ago we were talking about John Gruden making $6 million a year as the highest paid ESPN personality. You oh know, the, the scale has just gotten completely. I don't want to say out of whack because they probably think this is worthwhile for some of these guys, but it. Do you, by the way, Chad, do do you remember, I mean, whether in person or the conference calls, do you remember how many times the ESPN executives would like call John Gruden a star? Like they love that. They called him a star star. a lot more than they, we got a star guy in Gruden. I know it's, it was man, John Skipper in particular. Like, I don't think I ever talked to that dude about John Gruden where the word star wasn't used. He's charismatic. It's interesting. And again, he certainly got, right, he got placed like a star, but like some of that is, I don't know. It's Maybe it's like everything else. You sort of get a shiny toy with a, you know, who who gives you like a lot of, uh, I don't know. They thought he was what Romo faces ended up being. And stuff and people, like this big draw. Exactly. But I was, like, again, I didn't think Gruden was bad, but Gruden was exactly you know how you talked about in this podcast, it, like loved every quarterback and coach. It took that dude. It took that year. It took that dude five years, basically, before he would be like a drop critical on Monday Night Football of anybody, uh, particularly coaches. And quite frankly, as we sort of soon learned, I mean, forget about like why he was run from from the Raiders as he should have been. I, I never, as a viewer, once again trusted that that Gruden was giving Not me everything close. he knew, like. He wasn't telling me what he knew with his brother, who was a coach in the league. He certainly wasn't telling me what he thought of players and that. And I get it. You can't totally, you, you know, no one could be email. 100% pure filter. Uh, yeah, yeah, no no kidding. No one could be 100% pure, like, candidness. But, like, can you give me, like, 50%? Like, is that too much to ask of a viewer? 60%? Like, it's just, like, you insult me when it's 10%. That's how I feel about Urban Meyer, Gruden, Alex Rodriguez. I feel like I'm getting 10% of... What you honestly believe, and ninety yeah, percent of the television performance. To bring into that, I have no idea what he knows and what he doesn't. He knows a lot more than he tells you. I'm, I'm t- that, I just think just because he's that connected. All right. Anyway, last topic, Chad. I've kept you so long, and quite frankly, you're not making uh, anything for your time here. So <laughs> I'm a shitty. I'm a. I'm a shitty host. Um, I have read some. We're going to get more into this on the podcast. Um. But this is something I think that I hope people start talking about and stuff. Uh, I got to give Shireen Ahmad, uh, a CBC sports writer. She's been on this podcast before. Uh, really thoughtful, smart woman who uh, works in the space in Canada, um, an activist in the space, and and unapologetically uh, an activist in the space. She wrote about sports washing not too long ago and wrote that sports washing is when countries that have deplorable human rights records use sports or mega events to clean their global reputation we obviously saw that with the Chinese when it came to this last Olympics. Russia did that with the World Cup. The IOC is incredibly famous for basically telling us that when they go to these countries, it's going to open up the world. It's going to improve human rights uh, conditions, and it's always bullshit. Let's just be blunt. Um, the Guardian has reported that since Qatar won the bid to the Men's World Cup, more than 6,500 men, predominantly from South Asia, have died while an indentured servitude in that country. Again, thanks to Shereen for doing that story and the information. Um, the So here's what I want to ask you, Chad. I think Fox is going to do everything in its power not to come <laughs> close to trying to talk about this. Or they're going to say when it comes to this, uh, as we've said before, we don't talk about the political situation of the country. We're only going to, um, you know, we're only going to talk about the sports on the field. The NBA, uh, as we've seen, has been in a massive quagmire. 
when it comes to their relationship with China, they should be called out for it. Um, they've, like many leagues, actually just uh, you know try to get as much money as they can. The reality is, so many of these sports leagues, Chad, they they do sports wash. We've seen this. I mean, you know, it's just not as like open as <laughs> that's Greg what Norman I thought you meant when you first when he sort uh, of like dismisses murder. Well, I'm getting to it. I'm like, you know, Greg Norman is just the worst example of really just being horrifically callous and uncaring. Most people are a little more savvy when they do it, uh, Norman and, and Mickelson. But, um, and again, I, I you know, I, I probably am guilty of this too for not asking Fox probably hard enough questions. And I think we're all guilty of looking the other way as sports fans when it comes to these leagues that we love sort of doing business. Trust me, the, you know, MLB, NFL, they've all done business with, with some pretty horrific entities. Um, my sense is that Fox isn't going to go near this at all, either on their on-air presentation or when they're... I imagine the approach will be pretty similar to what uh, NBC did during the, the Winter Olympics. Uh, or during the... Well, no, I, I didn't Very mean to counter briefly, you. They though. actually addressed yeah. it, though, during opening ceremonies. Uh, they, I, I'm going to disagree with you on that. They, they did... Tariko led a, whatever it was, like an hour discussion prior to the games with their China experts. They talked about it during the opening ceremony, and at least they addressed it during press conferences prior to the coverage. I'm not, I'm not saying NBC, you know, I'm not, I'm not calling, don't, I'm not giving NBC like some human rights award, but I don't, at, at least they didn't run away from it. That You disagree with me? You, you see it differently? Yeah, once the games began, it was about the games. Um, they I don't know if they touched on it that first night when they had like skiing and a couple of maybe some skating. And, you know, they uh, mentioned uh, the human rights violations and and uh, very brief two-sentence specifics about it. Told us the government, U.S. government wasn't there. And uh, as I recall, they just kind of moved on from Well, that. what about the opening? Did you watch the opening ceremonies? Because they addressed it. No, I didn't. Okay, so you missed it. <laughs> they talked about the Uyghurs. I mean, they. I. I again, I think you got to be fair to NBC <laughs> when when fairness is due. I thought they addressed it dead during the games. You don't think Fox will do that at all? Uh, off the top, I think. I, mean, I honestly, I probably right. I think they'll give but... you. I think they'll give you a pro forma. Yeah. Five minutes. I don't, I don't think they'll come. Honestly, I don't think they're going to come as close to what NBC did. I think they. I mean, I think honestly, I think Fox gets away with more stuff because they're under the larger Fox News Murdoch Corporation. <laughs> um, so no, I don't think they're going to do much. I, I would agree with that. I think they'll do pro forma to give Fox Sports like credit's not the right word here, but to be fair to Fox Sports, they have always said they've been consistent with this part. We do not delve into any kind of political stuff in our coverage where NBC tries to play the line a little bit that we will address it. Yes, we'll leave the majority of the stuff to NBC News, but we're not going to run away from it. Fox Sports' POV has always been we're not touching it, which is probably smarter business, but an absolute abdication of responsibility. So, Well, there's your answer then. They so I don't think – no. In short, Rob Stone or whoever hosts the World Cup – They'll do. They'll, maybe they'll do five, ten minutes. Maybe they'll do. Maybe they'll do a little right. bit more in a feature. But I don't. But it's going to be before the game, before the tournament starts, and then during it, I don't think so. What my, uh, you know, what my. Buddy, do they have any kind of equivalent to like an opening ceremony with this? Yeah, maybe not. You're right. Maybe yeah, it's just it. the first game. I will say, you know, if you're interested in this, uh, when it comes to Fox, uh, follow my buddy Grant Wall, my former Sports Illustrated colleague, uh, who mm -hmm. also used to work for Fox Sports. Um, He's been pretty good about sort of addressing, like, what's Fox's responsibility here? Will they do anything? Um, I don't expect it. The, re the good, it's not good news, but the reality is the World Cup does produce a lot of great news organizations around the world, like The Guardian and, and some others who will write about this. Um, so it's not going to be undercovered. That said, I don't think the American broadcaster in this situation is going to is going to hit it at the same time. Listen, like the NBA doesn't touch it either, right? Like it's not like ESPN or Turner was discussing. Um, maybe turn a little bit with 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 the studio show, but it's not like they went super. Yeah, they in did depth a little bit. Yeah, they didn't go super in depth in terms of like the NBA's relationship uh, with China, and so. And again, and I'm one who absolutely be critical of them. They they deserve it. If you take, 
you know, in many ways, if you take blood money, you, you have to live with the, the, the criticism of that. Anyway, it's just something I was thinking about and something to watch. And yes, it was prompted by Greg Norman's comments, which again, like, you actually read that shit and you're like, holy shit. Like, totally just have, rationalized it. Like, have you just lost everything? I mean, have you lost every sort of sense of, yeah, of, of decency when it comes to like, I mean, it's it, it was a murder. Like, no, I, anyway, I no know. moral compass, none whatsoever. Yeah, and I, maybe that's why certain people are you know, multimillionaires. You know, that in many ways, if you don't have that compass, you can make a lot of money. All right, is there anything else you want? I feel like you wanted to hit on one other thing before we get out of here. Hmm, one other thing. No. What did you text me? It wasn't about like. Oh, uh, I have. You... Yes, I have complaint. What? I, I, it was a question for you. Yeah, go. No, you should go. The floor is yours. It's uh, filibuster. Have you ever seen any value from the officials that they use on the broadcasts in, in games other than Mike Pereira, maybe at the beginning on the NFL broadcasts? Yeah, uh, I mean, I, 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 I'm not as. I know a lot of viewers don't like it. I, I kind of. The NBA I, ones are terrible. All they do I like is Ster- agree I like Gene Steratore and I like Mike Pereira. Yeah, Pereira set the bar and everybody else tried to hire one and they haven't gotten anybody close in the NFL. And Steve Javi on the NBA broadcast. <laughs> yeah, I, I like Javi. Like, seems like a nice guy personally. I, I find that useless for me as a viewer. He will. It's beyond that. He will. In explaining what happened, he will contradict what the, the call was and then say, but you know what? I don't think this is going to be overturned. I, I think they should stand by the call. I mean, it it's a the 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 delays in the games for the challenges on those NBA broadcasts yesterday, particularly the first one because the second game was out of hand. But just in general, uh, they they completely detract from the uh, from the experience of watching a, a flow of a basketball game. And beyond that, they they did bring in these refs, these ex refs, every you know once or twice a game, and they never add any value whatsoever. They they, they just. I don't know. It's just driving me nuts yesterday. Did, did, do you, the one sport where I think it could be interesting is baseball, but apparently the umpires union doesn't want that. Don't you think it would work there? They'd be on TV a lot. That's for sure. Yeah. I think that's interesting. That would, to me, would be an interesting, like, rules analyst. Anytime that's Angel Hernandez had the plate in a the game, they'd be on more than the color analyst. Well, that's the problem, right? Is you, you bring a former ump on, and you'd obviously need the right person who would be critical of uh, their former colleagues. But, um, yeah, but uh, yeah, we're not going to see that. But yeah, the strike. I mean, yeah. Imagine you have somebody on, sort of saying like, "All right, this person's just been horrible behind the plate today. They're missing all these calls. He might be the blind. Would lose their mind. That's all. <laughs> yeah. All right, uh, Chad. I've kept you about an hour, so wow. let me let me let me write. Yeah, I know. Let me wrap you up here, Chad. Fan, of course, sports media writer, general columnist for the Boston Globe. Check out his work uh, on that fine outlet. Follow him on Twitter, where. Uh, you, he will update you on uh, on what he's working on, uh, Chad. We uh, you know who knows what the next week will bring in the sports media, but it always brings us something. Yeah. Thank you as always for joining me on the sports. We media got podcast. the big introduction of Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, ESPN personalities coming up here. So, oh, that's right. Yes, they Troy. I should know for the audience. By the time you listen to this, Troy Aikman and Joe Buck will have uh, had their introductory press conference for ESPN, as well as appear at the Disney up. It's going to be a lot of chuckles. City, so. Big day for, for those two wealthy gentlemen. Chad, thank you very All right, much. Rich, take care. All right, back in the studio. My thanks to Chad, as always, for giving me some time. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Uh, coming up after Chad, this will come out this week, we have uh, Leslie Visser, the uh, the Hall of Fame broadcaster. Uh, great 50-minute conversation just on her career, uh, uh, ice fishing with John Madden. Uh, you'll dig that. Uh, there's some great stories there. And uh, Los Angeles Times Deputy Sports Editor Ileana Limon Romero about what a deputy sports editor for a major daily like the LA Times does. She is the only Latina um, sports editor at a major United States newspaper. Um, think about that and in terms of representation. And so she was, uh, she just provided great insight, and especially if you're a young person who wants to get into this business. Um, she gave you some real perspective on, on what a place like the LA Times is doing right now. Uh, go to through our archives again uh, should be some stuff that uh, you'll enjoy at Larry Kalmus on uh, Rich Strike's amazing Kentucky Derby win uh, Susie Colbert of ESPN was a recent guest Gus Johnson was a recent guest we had uh, three of my colleagues from The Athletic Michael Sean Dugart, Tashawn Reed, Rhiannon Walker they cover football 
Uh, I think you'll find that conversation interesting. Life after a sports media career with Amy Moritz, Amy K. Nelson, and Kat O'Brien, three women who had a uh, big job in the sports media business, left the business, and what they're doing now and uh, what that transition has been like for them. So head to the archives should be something you like in there. want to thank uh, Patrick Antonetti for all his hard work. Thanks to Cadence 13 for their support, and thank you for listening. We'll see you soon on the Sports Media Podcast.